And hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the Pac-Man Podcast, Patriotic American Citizen. I'm your host, Ted Flint, and we begin with news out of California. And, I, I, you know, as California goes, usually so goes the rest of the country. But in California, especially Los Angeles County, is having problems with COVID rates skyrocketing in the last few weeks. And uh, according to CBS 13 in Sacramento, state workers and healthcare employees in California will now have to be uh, either vaccinated, show proof of vaccination, or get tested for COVID at least once a week. That's according to the governor, Newsom, that is. Hopefully it's going to be Governor Elder in the coming uh, weeks and months. Larry Elder is uh, running for governor. Of course, I'm sure most of you have heard that there's a recall underway, a possible recall. It's not official yet. So anyway, um, Governor Newsom is urging private employers to, quote, replicate the example. He's urging private employers. He can't force it upon private employers, although he would like to because he's a Democrat. Democrats are authoritarians. They like to force. They like to compel, use government to compel people to do things against their will. Cuomo's great at it. I, I don't know any Democrat who isn't. So this comes as this uh, Delta variant, which is, you know, more easily transmissible from what I understand, but it's not as uh, deadly as yet. So it's a dominant force in uh, the state and in the country. And uh, so there is a new analysis finds several counties. This is interesting. Several counties with above average vaccination rates are also having higher cases of COVID rates, higher COVID rates, while case rates are falling in counties with below average vaccination rates. That seems to suggest that the people who are vaccinated have a better chance of, of contracting COVID. Now, I've had this discussion with a friend of mine who's got a medical background. He's not a doctor, but he, he, do, he went to med school for a couple of years. And he said, it, it's if you take the vaccines, he believes, he's vaccinated, that they will uh, prevent serious illness or death. And I guess studies show that that may be the case. But still, it's a choice. It's a personal choice. And it's up to the individual. And many people in uh, my neck of the woods are not vaccinated. Uh, I'm not vaccinated as yet because I'm reading too many things of, of people with uh, adverse effects who are seriously ill, or in some cases, they die from it. In, in Massachusetts, nearly 5,200 people, they call these breakthrough cases. They're fully vaccinated and they've contracted COVID. 80 have died. 23 in, in, in the care of uh, hospitals and 57 not hospitalized passed away. 80 people dead, fully vaccinated. And again, this report out of Sacramento, higher COVID rates found in some counties with higher vaccination rates. That doesn't make sense. So this, this whole thing, it's back and forth again. You're, you're reading and hearing all kinds of conflicting information. I get a kick out of some of these people who, who are saying their patience is wearing thin and they're frustrated because of the vaccination uh, holdouts, people who are choosing not to get it for whatever reason. Some people are conspiracy theorists. I'm not one of them. But I think it's up to the individual. Now, I, I wear masks still. If I'm at work, I work for the New York State Assembly, and everybody down there, of course, are fully vaccinated, most of them. 98%, I would, I would gather 98% of state workers are vaccinated because they're not risk takers by their very nature. That's why they're at the state. Don't ask me why I'm there. I, I don't know. I, I got married and had four kids. And I needed health care. But anyway, uh, so they're wearing masks again inside the, the concourse in the legislative office building. And that's fine for them. I mask up if I go in an elevator because I don't know who is there ahead of me. Certainly if somebody's 
in there with me, I put on a mask. But if I'm outdoors, I'm not going to wear a mask. Never. It's ridiculous. As some, it was Betsy McCoy, who's got a, I guess, some kind of a medical background. She's not a doctor. She wrote a column about a month ago, and she said, if if you're outdoors, you would have to be literally nose to nose with an infected person to contract COVID. But people are still outdoors, are biking, walking, whatever, just wearing masks, and that's they're free to do that. And I'm free not to wear one. I mean, I'm looking at a piece here from Dan Diamond and Tyler Pager. Has to be from. Yahoo News. They are so liberal. So vaccinated Americans, many government officials, I think all of government officials, most of them business leaders, health leaders, they're they're growing frustrated, these two write, that tens of millions of people are still refusing to get vaxxed. And they're endangering not only themselves, but their communities. And And they're fueling the virus's spread. You have to ask yourself, why are millions of Americans refusing to get the vax. If the virus is so deadly, and I'm not doubting it is, and it is deadly for some, and the vaccines are a panacea, then why are governments, the media, the political establishment, resorting to bribes to induce people into getting vaccinated? You, you hear about these stories, doling out lottery tickets. I think Cuomo did this. Tickets to baseball games, the first, I forget how many people uh, who are show proof of vaccination get in to watch a free uh, game at the Yankee Stadium, F- free football games. I mean, if they're so effective, everybody should be rushing out to get these, these vaccines, but they're not. And you have to ask yourself why. If you like coffee as I do, uh, coffee and vegetables are linked to lower odds for COVID-19. I'm reading a report here from Newsmax Health. I mean, I, I drink maybe four cups of coffee a day. If you drink more than one cup, you're, I guess, 10% less likely to contract COVID. Now, there are other variables, obviously, but consuming vegetables and having been breastfed, I'm reading here, might also reduce your COVID-19 risk, according to a new study from Northwestern University in Chicago. Conversely, processed meats may increase your susceptibility to the coronavirus. Other foods that were studied, including fruit, tea, and red meat, had no impact. So if you drink coffee, then uh, that's good news. Coffee has so many uh, antioxidants. I mean, just dozens of them. It, it Coffee is good for you. I mean, within reason, everything in balance. A couple of cups. If you're drinking five, six, seven cups of coffee a day, that's not good for you. I want to get to Joe Biden here because it, there's not a day goes by that he doesn't uh, make himself look foolish. So he gets after a lot of female reporters, I notice, for asking, you know, questions that need to be asked. He doesn't like it. And he's just, it's every day he just sticks his foot in his mouth. I, I really, I don't think anybody with a half a brain seriously believes this guy is running the country. I don't know how we could run it. He's, he's you know, he's, he's fried. I mean, it's obvious to me. I certainly hope Kamala Harris is not running it. It looks as though she is. I mean, some of Biden's policies, and Biden has never been a hard left radical. He's never had anything in his... In his 47 years, I mean, he's obviously liberal, but I mean, where he's at now is like totally out of character for him. So somebody's running the country. I don't think it's Biden. I don't think Harris has her gravitas, frankly. I don't think she has a gravitas to to run the country. I thought she did at first. A couple of years ago when the Democratic uh, primaries began, she was, uh, I thought she was a complete package. She had the look. uh, She's bright. I thought she was bright. She's a former prosecutor, but she is, uh, she's not. She doesn't have good political instincts. And she's, I think I gave her more credit than she deserves, frankly. 
But I, it's a scary thought to think that she's a heartbeat away from the presidency because jo- Joe Biden is uh, he's compromised, obviously. But there's a new Gallup poll out this week, and it has some bad news for the president. I don't like to get into polls because they, you know, they can tell you pretty much anything. It depends who's asking the questions and what kinds of questions and how the questions are asked. But Biden's approval has dropped to 50 percent, lowest for him to date. And uh, it was down from 56 percent last month. Before this month, his ratings had not shown meaningful variation during his time in office. He's been in office six months. So the new rating is from a July 6 to 21 Gallup poll, which finds that 45% of U.S. adults disapprove of Joe Biden's performance and 5% do not have an opinion. They're brain dead, basically, more brain dead than he is. You know, we're, we're kind of uh, had a little setback in how we're fighting coronavirus. I think that's one of the reasons why his, his numbers are falling. I guess maybe more Americans are realizing this guy doesn't have what it takes. Of course, they had to know that. They had to have known that going into the, the voting booths. But it's just like they weren't going to let Trump have a second term. But anyway, I mean, look at the prices of everything. I mean, gasoline, uh, milk is going up. Consumers are paying higher prices for everything. Uh, meat. So uh, that his numbers are down. 90% of Democrats, 12% of Republicans, and 48% of independents approve of the job Biden is doing. 12% of Republicans? Probably they're in the Senate, too, no doubt. Uh, his ratings among Democrats and independents are the lowest to date among those groups. 90% of Dems approve. Well, they would. We're on a socialist Marxist path, and that's why Democrats approve of what he's doing. I can't believe it. We're, we're in some troubled times here, folks. And I don't believe, and I'm one of these people who think that the, the election was stolen. And I think more and more people believe that. As the dust is settling in the wake of these, some of these... Uh, audits that were done in the swing states. I think there's a poll, another poll here, and I, I hate to weigh you down with these polls, but the Rasmussen poll shows a majority of likely U.S. voters, 55% support forensic audits to ensure there was no voter fraud. According to, again, this new Rasmussen poll, 29% oppose such audits. 17% are not sure how they feel. Now, the election was, I believe, stolen. According to this report, 41% of likely voters do not believe Biden won the election. Four in 10 Americans. It's not just fringy people, people on the far right, the Alex Jones bunch. 41% of Americans, that includes Democrats. So anyway, that's a significant jump from February, going from 34% to 41% of people think the election was uh, some funny business. When I, and, there's, and there are, you know, there is election fraud in every presidential election, probably in every election. But is it enough to tip the scales one way or the other? I think possibly it was in in 2020. And uh, it's in Republicans in those states, Georgia was a state I couldn't think of, are going to make sure that never, ever happens again. And Democrats are afraid. Let me tell you something. These voter reform laws going on in Georgia and Arizona and, and elsewhere, Democrats know that if these laws pass, and it looks like they have in many cases, they may never get elected again. Uh, I won't say never again, but it's going to be more difficult for them to cheat. And as far as them trying to use race as an issue, 75% of black people support voter ID laws. You have to show an ID to vote. It makes sense. You have to show show an ID if you want to buy a beer at at Hannaford or Price Chopper. I'm 62 years old. If I want to buy a beer or a bottle of wine, I got to show show my ID. If you want to fly on an airplane, got to show an ID or your driver's license. It's just, it's common sense. 75% of black people I read last week in some poll, I forget what it was, and a high percentage of Hispanics 
want voter ID laws. They think it's fair and it's just. I'm going to uh, glance and blow here for a few minutes. Get the top stories. Veterans Affairs has become the first federal agency to announce a COVID vaccination mandate for its frontline workers. California and New York City, as we've talked about, will require employees to either get the vaccine or take weekly coronavirus tests. That's California and New York City, not New York State, at least not yet. State government has not taken that step yet. The U.S. will end its combat mission in Iraq by the end of the year, and troops will instead focus on training and assisting Iraqis in their fight against Islamic uh, terrorism and the Islamic State. That's according to President Biden. I'm not sure if he even remembers saying that, but I want to finish here by talking about a gentleman I had the good fortune of interviewing maybe six, seven, eight times, David Horowitz. And when I had a talk show in Albany a couple of years back, I had him on frequently. He's written, he's a prolific writer. And uh, I've, I have three or four of his books on my on my bookshelf, and Radical Son is one of them. That's, that's his autobiography. One of the great books you'll ever read about his political transformation. This guy was a flat-out communist, Horowitz. His parents were communists. They were part of a cell in New York City. And something... Well, what, what turned the uh, l- the light on for David is one of his friends was killed by the Black Panthers. So anyway, Horowitz has written a piece here, and I'll just glance over the, the, the highlights, talking about this wokeness. Now, we know it's happening in our government schools, but it's in the Defense Department. Now, that's one area of American society, or th- there's a culture in the military that w- I would think would not permit wokeness. It's a male-dominated culture. And But the Defense Secretary, Lloyd, Lloyd Austin, is restructuring the Pentagon's training to revolve around the doctrines and this false history of critical race theory in the 1619 Project. It's infecting, it's like a cancer, infecting our military. Our Secretary of Defense is one of these woke idiots. Bishop Garrison, hand-selected by Secretary Austin to lead the military's purge of conservatives, and not just conservatives, but anybody who supports Donald Trump, Patriots. He wants purged from the military, this Bishop Garrison. Unbelievable. Here's another example. Admiral Michael Gilday is pitting white sailors against non-white sailors, citing the works of the Marxist Ibram Kendi. If you know who Ibram Kendi is, he's a America-hating communist. But a lot of the black community, the radicals in the black community, cite his work. General Mark Milley, who sided with uh, violent Black Lives Matter terrorists that torched cities around the country last summer. And they want to bow to this critical race theory dogma. These are the people running our military. And again, Horowitz writes about this. And I, I miss interviewing him because he is such a, uh, an interesting guy. Guys, He's 81 years old. He's a Harvard graduate. I went to Columbia as well. He's brilliant. As a young guy, he was running with the Black Panthers. And when one of the Black Panthers killed his friend, I can't remember her name, but Huey could have been Huey Newton or Bobby Seals or Eldridge Cleaver, one of them. He said that was it. He, he was afraid for his family. He had a young child at the time, recently married, and he left the, the, uh, the Black Panthers. But he was a communist, Horowitz was, back in the 60s when he was a young man. He wrote manifestos. He attacked America whenever he could, wherever he could, however he could. So he used to edit a magazine called Ramparts, which was the largest magazine of the radical left. He left Ramparts, he left the Panthers, and he voted for Ronald Reagan in 1984, and he's never looked back. But I I got off on a tangent there, David Horowitz, but I mean, this is unbelievable. I know critical race theory is not what we've been talking about, but 
we'll get to that, and that's a theme I'll come back to because I think it's I think it's the issue uh, facing our uh, our country in our culture, and certainly our, our public schools. That's all the time we have uh, for this program. If you want to hear this program again, you want to re-listen to it, and tell your friends about it. You can go to the bmgnetwork.com, BMG Network, and you'll see all kinds of great programming up there. The Ken and Mike Show, the Ken Burns Show, the uh, Mic'd Up program with Mike Hansen, Set Apart with Kristen Kuhn, and the our newest edition, the Adrian Ross Show. And, of course, this program, the Pac-Man podcast. I'm Ted Flint. I also write a column at least once a week called The Pack Perspective. Thank you very much for tuning us in. If you want to contact me directly, go to, again, uh, this is all lowercase. I'll go slowly because my brain is working faster than my mouth at this point. It's P-A-C-M-A-N at the BMG network.com. And if the Lord wills it, we will talk to you soon. The Pac-Man Podcast was produced and edited in the BMG studio. Music by Kevin McLeod. For more episodes of the Pac-Man Podcast, go to the bmgnetwork.com or go to the BMG Network on Facebook. And be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Pac-Man Podcast with Ted Flint.